Greetings, friends, and welcome to a Contemporary Cage Holiday Special, a magical evening full of games, gifts, and surprises, with special guests, the Croods, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, a small British admiral from Bath, England, Toys for Tots, and the Cheddar Goblin. And without further ado, here's your hosts, David Christmas Trees and Derek Toysmith. Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, and more specifically, our holiday special. Ho, 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 ho. Holy shit. Ho, 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 indeed. Wow. The holidays are here. We're, we're in them, and um, with that, we, you know, we thought we would give ourselves a little gift. We thought we would give everyone else there, out there in Cage and Nash a little gift. It's a stocking um, with, stuffer. It's an extra little stocking stuffer for our fans. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, we're back. You know, there's nothing Derek and I love more than than uh, talking about the cage man. Nothing in the world we love more than this, Derek. This is uh, be- this is our our uh, wrapped and ribboned uh, Christmas package straight from Santa's workshop right here. It is an ep of Contemporary Cage. I had to dust off all of my gear but here we are uh and uh there's nowhere else i'd rather be yeah last um you've heard from us was uh was back in i think uh june was it may or june um i think that's when our our last episode dropped and it dropped and then uh, the world was getting very grim, yeah. and we and Derek and I realized we didn't have a ton of capacity to uh, talk about Nicolas Cage movies. Yes, the, um, we the world itself became a uh, Nicolas Cage uh, losing his mind for a yeah, few months. Yeah, uh, the year twenty twenty, uh, it's getting a bad bad from us here <laughs> yeah. at Contemporary Cage. So, but that's hey, this is it's just it worked out so great because we all. We're all hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and we look up to the North Star like the three wise men do for the hope and the direction for uh, a brighter tomorrow. Savior is born to thee, and thus hope uh, reigns among the people, and so does our shining voices ring in your ears and car stereos right now as we go back to the stuff that makes us happy, and that is Contemporary Cage. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was a yeah. real Linus Linus moment where he sort of, uh, you know, uh, drops his wisdom at the end of uh, Charlie Brown. I had to, special. I had to kind of start zigzagging because I started getting afraid that we were. I was like accidentally going to be comparing us to like Jesus, and then that didn't work out for the Beatles. So I think well. it's a fair comparison. <laughs> uh, this is sort of a, a Christ-like endeavor. <laughs> um, I definitely feel like a yeah. martyr. Yeah. Oh, for sure. With that is true. This is uh, sort of a, a martyrdom uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, even though we were not um, sort of reporting on what the Cage Man was doing minute by minute of the year twenty twenty, he still had a, lot. Uh, a pretty busy year uh, in a in a year where a lot of movies got canceled or pushed. The Cage Man still managed to put uh, two movies out this year mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. among other things uh, among uh, you know finishing other projects and stuff 
There was the uh, the leaked audio of uh, Tom Cruise going insane. Did you hear this, Derek? No, this is not. I've oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise on the um, set of Mission Impossible 7, I believe. Um, someone was not following oh, COVID. COVID protocol. Uh, I, yeah, either mask wearing or, so, or not social distancing or something. I'm not sure what they were doing, but he... It's sort of, um, you know, been compared to the Christian Bale on set rant where he's yeah. just screaming and calling th- this guy a motherfucker and <laughs> he's really going off. And, it, it, you know, on one hand, uh, it's completely <laughs> psychotic and you, you probably should not <laughs> scream at other adults this way, but uh, maybe a little more justified uh, than than Bale could just because it's like, oh, yeah, things productions can get shut down and people can lose their jobs. If well, people, aren't being safe to be fair when you said um, uh leaked audio of uh tom cruise losing his mind i thought you just meant like every interview he's ever been on <laughs> since like 2010 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just uh, i was listening to the oprah interview where he attacks her on the couch uh <laughs> yeah he's cruise is an interesting uh, we're not talking about whole, cruise today uh, you know, the That's reason i bring this up though compared to what's going on right now <laughs> One of the things he uh, is screaming at the people is he's like, the industry is looking at us. I don't, uh, you know what? And I think the industry might be looking at the cage man with the amount of movies that he was (laughs) still working on. Yeah. Yes. Two's a lot for anybody, but uh, for cage, that's like, that's like a drought in California. Two movies for the year, but you know, he did what he could given the circumstances. Absolutely. Um, so without any further ado, let's get into our first, um, segment, which is a very special, uh, holiday cage news. Sleigh bells ring, news is coming down the chimney, David's running a train on this pod in your ear, walking in a winter wonder cage. (laughs) Now, and hold on one second, I'm running a train on the pod. None of it rhymed either. It's like it's like I tried to say things to make rhyming easier and it just ended up sounding like nonsense. Also, I will say really quickly, Derek, in case uh, this is getting picked up either on my audio or in, in my audio to you, uh, my neighbors are currently holding a super spreader event. Oh, <laughs> they God. are not. They have not listened uh, to uh, Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom uh, and are having a big holiday party. <laughs> outside with no no one wearing masks tom cruise would be furious with these people yeah um but yeah just a, just a heads up if there's like bursts of laughter every so often um know that it's not news. coming from us Definitely yeah it's not. not coming from yeah i'm not recording live at a holiday party um but cage news uh we've got some we've got some exciting stuff as and let's start off derek i'm yep. gonna screen share with you really quick okay um i said that this was working well i didn't need to test it here it is boom oh yes the netflix situation is that what you're going to talk about the netflix situation yeah so uh as we reported on earlier in the year nick um signed on to play joe exotic uh for a, a netflix show uh sort of a comedic role that he's taking on and it looks like that netflix deal is yep. extending to some other opportunities Well, once for you him. get a taste of the cage yeah. once once you're in the netflix family they're gonna they're gonna spread you around oh, yeah. um 
So, yeah, we have Nicolas Cage is going to host a, a show called The History of Swear Words um, at Netflix. Um, and I think this is like a funny or die thing. I watched there's a there is a um, a trailer out where he's talking about the word uh, pussy. I think each episode is uh, a different uh, swear word. And it, he sort of acts as the host. He's, he, he, let's listen in. Let's listen into this trailer really oh, quick. Okay. Derek, are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. It is a thing of great wonder and mystery, quivering with complexity, strength, and resilience. However, also buried within a delicate femininity, and dare I even say, naughtiness. Look one way, and you see a gentle feline innocence. Look another way, and... Oh, my. <clears throat> yes, it has the power to stir our souls and intoxicate our minds. Men have died for it. Women have moved in with each other way too soon for it. And to fully capture its essence, we must plunge, unafraid, deep within its enchanted garden. Oh, my friends, we are so close now. Feast your eyes upon the very house of life and death, the temple of sensuality. And a term for that kid too afraid to play dodgeball in gym class. Behold! It also could be a cat. Um, okay, so yeah, there's Nick um, in, looking very uh, sort of high-class, cultured, kind of doing a funny bit. Uh, I, I like... That they're using Nick, um, it, you know, they're not poking fun at him, right? It doesn't seem, that was our big fear when we heard that he was going to be playing Joe Exotic, was it was like, oh, is this like, just like the fucking meme generated piece of content? Um, but it looks like they are doing, they're having like some good, they're they're using him for like the ways in which he's actually funny as a performer versus like the sort of meme version of well, himself. Well, if he's going to be the featured host of a Netflix produced yeah. show, they're not going to just throw it away like a meme. He came to act, and in that promo, he's acting, baby. He's working, and I like it. Yeah, they've got tons it, it, of his uh, patented shoe polish all up in his hair. But yeah, he's looking de-aged it's he like is uh, scorsese has gotten in there he thinks this is uh part of the irish man because he he looks <laughs> he looks de-aged um yeah so this comes out january 5th and i think it's i think it's the show itself doesn't really seem that interesting nah, to me it note. seems like it seems like a funnier die thing from like 2012 maybe yeah. uh uh or like a vh1 show i think is going to be more what it's like because i think you are going to have sort of uh, him doing these more like scripted monologues. And then it sounds like a bunch of comedians are just going to be kind of riffing on um, the, uh, the actual word itself. It's interesting um, to see dynamics yeah. of other comedians uh, when you put them in a room with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, which I, is a little bit I of wonder a if that'll precursor happen, to our uh, discussion of the movie, which we'll be talking about later. Uh, Very true. But I feel like he's such a big personality, and mentally, his movies are Nick Cage movies. So what happens when you put him in a room with someone who's known for being the leading funny center of attention on the things that they do? Uh, so, and I, and I think it, like, 
it's almost I feel like gives a sense of competition when you're trying to like be the personality in the room against Nicholas fucking Cage, which is I, I, I could only yeah. I could only encourage for something like this. I think that there's um, there's sort of an interesting thing that we'll talk about more, uh, you know, when we get into the movie that we watched. But that there is sort of that that line between um, an actor who can do like comedic performances and then like a comedian who's trying to come in uh, and do like a comedic performance that's more grounded. I think that. Yeah, so I, I'll be interested to see because I think Nick is someone who is who is good at being like, oh, I still have like a handle on who this person is uh, while understanding what's funny about them. Whereas, uh, you know, maybe some of the uh, actors in the movie we watched were like, I get the caricature that I'm playing. Yeah. Um, that's the that's but, the but, uh, holy cage uniqueness of his comedy, though, is that it's all just perspective and context. The performance mm-hmm. is almost the same, and in one context with a good director in a certain situation, it can feel zany and funny and, and fun. And the same exact performance, the same exact vocal vocalization and body language and how he does his thing in a different context can seem so unhinged and disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I will say... I kind of feel like the format of this show is going to be him doing these monologues on a closed set. I don't think he's going to be interacting with With people. Like, I feel like these are going to be like its own segment, just because both um, from that, that trailer. And then also knowing that they shot this during COVID, like I bet there's probably not going to be a lot of, you know, maybe they'll have like in the, in the same way that VH1 had those sort of like, I love the eighties or nineties or whatever. They might have like a couple comedians paired together to, to riff on stuff, but who knows? Well, who knows? It is very uh, contemporary. We'll so we will have something to say about it when it hits our uh, televisions January 5th. And, and Hey, I, you know, I, I I'm glad that he's changing it up uh, a little bit. This is very different than the type of project that he's, than the average Nicolas Cage project of the last decade. This is so far afield. Him doing a comedic hosting gig for Netflix. like a six-part Netflix series yeah. is is so different than the the VOD like super grim like sort of uh, thriller that we are so accustomed to on the, reviewing the on the show. The kind that you have to like really dig around like the. Uh, trick walls of a crack house to find yeah yeah so i'm you know at least this will give us like you know uh something to something a little different to to cover um okay next up we got uh, let's talk about the two movies that he released this year we he released the crudes a new age oh you know i'm a crude fan yeah you're a big crude dude yep yeah one of the certified crude dudes and um have you seen this yet, Derek? No, I didn't realize it released. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's sort of happened uh, a lot in in the pandemic. There have been some sort of like su- uh, like VOD releases where a studio has just decided that they're going to do it even though that theaters are closed. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of them. I think, it was, I think it was topping the box offices at like, you know, $300,000 grossed or something Whoa. for 
for a, a, a while. Um, so yeah, that's something on our horizon. And then also oh, uh, jujitsu. The big one. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the big one. Uh, this has gotten this has gotten like a lot of coverage. I feel yeah. like have you noticed that online? Like yes. people are like, yeah. It seems again kind of like to be like uh, a movie called Jujitsu where Nick plays kind of like a Eastern stere- <laughs> like mystical stereotype. Kind of this is kind of the reason that I was like not wanting to cover this type of movie this year because I'm like he this. This is like he's going to be in this for like 15 minutes, I bet. Yeah. And uh, he's maybe doing like a somewhat problematic caricature, <laughs> like the the Westerner who is adopted Eastern culture. I don't know. Uh, Wouldn't be the first time Hollywood done it, baby. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. Wouldn't time. be the first time he's done it in that yeah. <laughs> Tarantino movie. He plays uh, uh, Death Proof. He plays a character named Fu Manchu. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, really. Well, you know, but... are you telling me the writer, the co-writer of what's that uh, voodoo doctor comic book with his son, is yeah. insensitive when it comes to portraying <laughs> cultural like? Roles? Yeah, you guys. Here's this is this uh, holiday special has actually been a Trojan horse. We're we're here to cancel Cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, no Cage I, will he, live he, forever. Yeah, he's uh, he's no, you know he he isn't. This is this is not an actual problem. I was just sort of more highlighting something where I'm like, I don't know if I have the energy to well, to this watch movie something is, like this. It is uh, the exactly what you were describing, where it's like a memification of Nicolas yes. Cage for the sake of Nicolas Cage, uh, in such a zany uh, setting and synopsis was yeah and, and briefly i don't know if we said this uh every six years an ancient order of jujitsu fighters join forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders but when a celebrated war hero goes down in defeat the fate of the planet and mankind hangs in balance it's one of those things um, like you watch the trailer and there's all these like cheesy campy cage moments of him being like an, a ninja master fighting aliens and during the trailer you're like Oh, hell yeah, dude. Cage doing the thing. To, oh, shit. And he's like, ninjutsu. And then and then it's like, let's do it, dude. And then you do it, and you're like an hour and a half in, and you're like, man. <laughs> this was just fun in, like, like the idea of it is way more fun than the movie or execution of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so those are the two movies that came out this year. Um, I'm sure we'll be uh watching them some point in the future <laughs> we'll be covering both those um but let's talk about some of the stuff that he's got upcoming um derek on the horizon yeah. you know mm-hmm. everyone uh, talks about 2020 being an absolute dumpster fire that's Have the you heard word of the year baby yeah time magazine dumpster fire person of the year uh i'm looking around and i'm starting to think this is a dumpster f- this is a literal dumpster fire um <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, but uh, we've got we've got a lot on the horizon. Uh, a lot of stuff that we've talked about before in our in our preview episode that we did earlier this year. We talked about Prisoners of Ghostland, which uh, it, I think that'll be his his next movie. I know that that one's finished, and I, I think it might be uh, like some uh, critics might have already seen this one. And this this is an anticipated movie. I, it's from. Um, a uh 
Siono Sono, who's uh, a famous horror um, director, uh, Japanese horror director, and this is his first English language movie. I saw some people, uh, some like actual like respectable film folks, getting excited for that because of that director. So that was Ooh, cool. Respectable um, film folks. <laughs> yeah, wow. some some writers that I like. Get them on the phone. <laughs> I'm talking Spielberg. <laughs> Uh, oh, you're a then, film folk, but are you respectable? Hmm. Uh, and then we've got uh, a, a bunch of other stuff that we've covered. We don't need to go over it again. But this one piqued my interest because oh. it's an, a newer uh, announcement. We didn't cover this in our in our preview episode. We've got another uh, TV show, this time with Amazon Studios, Untitled Nicolas Cage Project, and his um, name is Lord Highfire. Lord Highfire. So it could you're, you're be... A, is this an adaptation? You're a fantasy guy, Derek. Does Lord Highfire sound familiar to you? Yeah, it's called The Bud of Destiny, dude. And <laughs> <laughs> they have to... What? They gotta travel up Perp Skirp Mountain, bro, where Lord Highfire lives. Uh, dude. Uh, Lord. I am, <laughs> I am a, a, a fantasophile. Uh, Fensophile? Uh, Never heard of this. It does say voice, so I'm thinking this is an animated show. An animated series. Okay. Well, there's another thing, kind of a a zag for the cage man. In the world of Avatar? Uh, Anybody? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you mean uh, Last Uh, Airbender. Yes, Airbender, dude. You're not talking about the Cameron Avatar. No, although Nick Cage is a blue dude running around. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Okay, well, Um, there's not much to go on there, but that is a cool name, especially for a man like Cage, Lord Highfire. I mean, he loves comics. He loves that kind of stuff. So, Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, 2021, I think it's going to be a big year for Cage. uh, I think we said that about this year, to be frank. Well, yeah. (laughs) I think we've been saying that every year we've done the podcast. Yeah, I think every Um, single year you are like, telling everyone how he's like locked in the oscar yeah this is this is the one he's gonna sort of a redemption story he's he's fallen off the face of the earth uh since leaving las vegas and now he's back to claim more oscar gold but 2021 is looking good if if uh these releases don't get pushed again who knows if uh movie theaters are still going to be a thing but maybe that's part of Derek. We haven't even talked about this. Maybe that's part oh, yeah. of the strategy. Why he's pivoting mm-hmm. to these. Str- mm-hmm. He he already he has follows the to money, VOD. baby. He follows yeah. where the stream wow. of income can find him and capitalize on that. And it's not it's movie true. theaters he, right now. And it's not even that he followed it. He predicted it. He's been releasing VOD for the last decade. Yeah, and that's, now that's, that's the industry trend. That's very generous of you too. Uh, I think he, <laughs> I think he knew about COVID you all think along. Nick Cage created and spread. Listen, the COVID nineteen virus, the novel coronavirus, it was created by Nick. Uh, I do believe this. He inside he, of his uh, secret uh, pyramid where he's gonna die. It's actually a laboratory. They didn't want anyone in there because it'd be disrespectful yeah. to like pop in there. But that's I think he, it. I think he made the VOD switch a little too soon, and then he's like, "These theaters are still. This is sort of still yeah. the industry standard. Movies are still go released ahead and in theaters. These. We got to move things along a little quicker." 
Or let's, get, let's get these theaters shut down. Um, in order to so like yeah, the, get good margins on Lord High Fire, he has to kind of <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's got all these streaming projects projects now, even outside of the VOD stuff. He's got the Amazon thing. He's got the two Netflix uh, projects. Is that all the news, David? <laughs> That's all the news. Because you know what? News is just a trigger word these days. I don't even want to think about news anymore. Let's move it along. Let's move it along to... I wanted to share... Um, you know, uh, I was thinking about the cage man and how we could sort of you know what moments he's been out there spreading holiday uh cheer and uh, i kind of went down a search a little rabbit hole uh to find sort of these these moments where nick could be wishing us a happy happy uh christmas or a happy holidays uh and uh yeah i found a couple good clips um this first one is from 2009. He was in Bath, England. Um, which is a cr- can you believe that they got towns called Bath over there? Oh my God, these Brits. Um, you know there is there is a place uh, in California called Rough and Ready Island. So Bath is not so crazy. They got a place called Bath. Uh, uh, is that right next to a uh, sink? Oh, shots fired. Yeah, England. I'm booting up a Revolutionary War round two. Kick let's your get, ass let's again, get it. boy. Uh, um, but here's here's Nick, uh, and okay. let's we'll let's um let's start this at the same time, Derek, and then we can react in real time. Okay, not really Christmas music, but. Yeah, so we're we're at we're at a local fair here. Was <laughs> we're at the Heart More Music Variety Festival uh, at the uh, and Nick is going to switch on the Christmas lights. Mm. Here he is, and we're going to see it through somebody's shaky uh, Motorola razor. <laughs> I liked that early in this video. Okay, that's a very funny thing because the audience is going absolutely ape shit for him. And the guy's like, we need more applause. Let's introduce him again while he's on stage. He's got the weatherman look for this holiday. Uh-huh. He's got the long hair. <laughs> look at these old guys on the left. There's like a pirate on stage. He's like a uh, English decorated colonel. It's like an admiral. He looks like Captain Crunch is what he looks like. <laughs> Dude, British culture is insane. <laughs> You got, we just got a new thing against Brits. I do, yeah. Not like Nick. <laughs> These cuts are crazy. It, it sort of hints that they have more coverage than they actually do. Or a better quality coverage. Oh, he's oh, what a pro. Yeah. Well, no, he works. The man works. Yeah, and you can tell, like, he was whisked onto stage. He's not been briefed on what he's really going to be yeah. doing. But he's still just given an A-plus appearance. In bath with my family. 
Is he talking about the tub? Yeah. The most beautiful city in the world. Gee, they're really shoving that down his throat. <laughs> yeah. The only city where we have a tiny old admiral. <laughs> Nick's acknowledging him. Oh, plugs. Oh, he's too classy. What's going on? Do you think he's maybe hinting at how he's developing the coronavirus? This is back in 20, 2009. Oh, God. Well, what great self-awareness wow. for him to say, yes, I do have a lot going on in 2010, but right now, this is the most important thing. Lighten it up in bath, this, baby. Yeah, the switch is also an old-timey, like, dynamite igniter. <laughs> wow. Ding-dong, ding. How much do you think they paid him for that? Oh, my God. It's like one it's very strand of light. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Did you watch this before you put it on the damn show? <laughs> yeah. Eric, if you don't like that, you're really going to not be impressed by this next thing. Okay, I think that's enough of uh, him yeah. switching on the lights in Bath. Yeah, if people want to watch that, it's Nicolas Cage switches on Christmas lights in Bath 2009. Yeah, definitely uh, check don't that. <laughs> check. <laughs> spend more time than you've already spent on it listening to us watch it. Um but, you know, a nice little moment. Nick clearly loves... Uh, he, he's someone who can get into the holiday spirit. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, We're he's, seeing that. He's in tune with the spiritual realm in general, I'd say. Yes, correct. And um, next up, we, we've got uh, him both being in the holiday spirit, but also uh, sort of supporting the troops. <laughs> which we love <laughs> to see here on on K on the contemporary cage. Uh Derek, you got this next video yep. pulled up? Yep, go. Okay, let's three, two, boom. So this is a uh Las Vegas benefit show for Toys Hello. for Tots. Uh, this is Nicholas Cage. I'm here in Austin USMC. Texas on the set of my movie and, uh, Joe, which is why sadly I cannot be with you tonight. Um you know, a child's eyes on, yes. on Christmas morning is really something to behold when they get a gift. But sadly, agree, many children don't get to experience that. To see them open their present and have their toy, it's, it's really, it just, so, it's, you know, it's the most remarkable thing to experience game as a parent ten and also for the child. It provides just years <laughs> of wonderful toys. Your little bullshit and, toy. And, and, and it makes them feel <laughs> loved. Well, sadly, this doesn't happen for many children, and you know that, which is why all of you are there. And why I want to thank the Marine Corps for this, their 237th year, because they're doing this. Not only do they protect us and enable us to live a life of freedom, uh, to, to live a life at all, really, they, they are also working oh. so hard to make sure children around the world hey. can get those toys. Come on. And I want to thank everybody in the audience <laughs> no, this tonight. Is nice. Hey, you know. To all the entertainers who have given well, I'm not sitting nick over there. Make this uh, what I know <laughs> That's will be true. a fantastic show. You know, they make it so he can, he can Vegas give us for sponsoring this event and also what putting he does all the well. time to find the funding and, and also the months of preparation that have gone into this show. Uh, okay, I think mostly, that's pretty much it. I want to thank you. I just really wanted to share um, him talking about the magic of, you know, seeing a, a kid oh, with their yeah. toy. David, what's the best Christmas gift you ever got as a child? Oh, great question. Um, 
you know, there's a part of me that is like hesitant to say uh, like a video game console. I think the N64 might have been, or, or you know what, either that or like a Game Boy Color. I think those were the mm. first two. The Game Boy Color was the first handheld I ever got, and N64 was the first video game console I ever got. Um, but that seems like a little... I don't know why. I don't think it should. Well, why did uh, it mean so much seem... to you? Why did you love it so much? Compared, like you know, your your heart is shriveled and cold now. No matter what you get, it doesn't matter when you, truly when when you received those gifts, which you wouldn't give a shit about now. What was it about them that made you stand out as as those the best gifts of your life? Well, the thing that was so special um, to me about this is uh, a young marine named. Nicholas Cage brought it to my house. Oh my god. And he said, "Baby, open this up and let me let me see those eyes. Look me right in the eye when I when you get your new toy." Uh and I and I was in a state of wonder and he loved it. You, <laughs> you you inspired him to to give this message of I inspired him to make Joe. Um Oh my god. Yeah. I don't know. I, also, the the other thing though, I got a a playset like a castle, like a modular castle playset when I was oh, pretty yeah. young. Those, um, those are and, clutch. And it had little like knights and stuff, and it was that was very cool. I loved that. Uh, what about you, Derek? Well, what, what about you, D? Well, I, uh, you know, I uh, I had some holiday money before christmas from relatives and uh i uh i put pulled it together at 60 dollars which if people people know that's the magic number when it comes to video games as a child you can get anything you want pretty much uh and uh i was like oh i want pokemon stadium i want pokemon stadium so bad and and my parents kind of looked at each other and they're like all right well just we know you want pokemon stadium and my mom went to the back room and then my dad was like okay give us a minute uh go see your mom and i, I had no idea what was going. it's obviously pretty obvious what was going on from an adult perspective yeah but i go in the room and you're she's like got, am i in trouble yeah exactly <laughs> and she's got like a bag and she's like so you want pokemon stadium and i was like yes and she was like, are you sure that's what you want? And I said, yes. And she said, give me the check, okay? And she grabbed the check from me, and then she pulled out Pokemon Stadium from a bag and just gave it to me <laughs> and had to, like, go buy something else for Christmas. But from my perspective, <laughs> I immediately, I went from, like, uh, getting a check to gotcha. dreaming of Pokemon Stadium to immediately getting Pokemon Stadium from right. my mom and then just playing the shit out of it. Uh, and and still so and fun. still getting something else. Yeah, later. I think I got Mario Party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was very confused. I was like, oh, you're doing like a backroom deal? And then I was like, oh, they had already gotten this for you. Yes, I got exactly. <laughs> I didn't understand it as a kid. I just like instant gratification. Um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's, that's really nice, too, that they um, let you have it early. Because yeah. I could imagine the scenario there where parents like, you know how like sometimes before a surprise birthday or something like that, people will be like, I'm going to like make this person kind of think that they are going to have a bad birthday um, before revealing that I've planned oh, all of this. Yeah, I've heard you that. know, so I could imagine them being like, you're not it's too close to Christmas. You're not getting it like and then just you living in that traumatized state until you open it up. 
uh, which I think is kind of a shitty. So, <laughs> you know, kudos, kudos to your parents. Um, but Derek, yeah. Speak. Speaking of gifts. Oh. Speaking of gifts, I've you know what I, I've uh, in in the spirit of giving, uh, which is something I love to do. I love to give back. Um, uh, just like Nick, I like to sort of make videos of myself thanking different people yeah. uh, and sending them talking to about the eyes of children. Yeah, um, but I I don't know if you remember this. A while ago, I asked you for your address. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Dave. and. Um, that was because I'm not I'm not there. I'm, I'm not going to show Is up. Is that you? Um, but uh, oh, that was a I, long time ago. I forgot about that. That was a long time ago. So that was before I was originally going to send you a Halloween gift because I saw something, <laughs> um, but it didn't get to me in time. So I just I'm like, oh, I'm going to push it. And so these are in the mail. What but I, you, you know, get? I wanted to show you on the pod. What did you get? Um, <laughs> oh, Cheddar Goblin. You paid postage to send me Cheddar Goblin box dinner? Oh my god. I got word. you. So you've got I think I I think there were like three or four boxes in uh your box, but this is uh, for the listener who doesn't know, uh, in the movie Mandy, which is um, one of Derek and I's Check out favorite if you, Cage If you movies. listen to this podcast and you're on the holiday episode and you haven't seen Mandy, then you've truly, it's much more entertaining than what you're listening to. It's so to. good. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of the best contemporary Cage films. Um, but there's a, a funny um, skit kind of in the middle of that movie uh, that doesn't really factor into the movie at all but there's a, a cheddar goblin which is the mascot for a, a macaroni and cheese uh, a boxed macaroni and cheese company uh in this company legion that does um that like makes sort of like high quality props and stuff um from different movies uh was selling them and i got and it was like you know really you know it's a box of mac and cheese so that wasn't that expensive and, well dave you don't gotta uh, put a price tag on it bud I know it's, the, it's like the most gauche thing to do. Oh, it wasn't. It didn't cost me anything. It's well, no because of what it is, it was cheap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I and Derek, my plan is okay. I'm really shaking this There's box of mac and cheese right in the. Uh, my plan was to eat the it. Mic. Well, that is, that is also my plan. So we both have are gonna have boxes of uh, cheddar goblins. So I think uh, some point um, during our next season, our season three. Uh, I think we should eat this on pod. That's disgusting. And do a review. That is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? It, People I'm don't sure want to listen to some ASMR bullshit of our lips <laughs> smacking on some cheddar goblin mac well, and we'll, cheese. Maybe we'll eat it off pod and then okay. review it on pod. No, no. Well, okay. Um, I get it. I get it. We can eat it like away from the mic and then and then discuss. I mean, I am a bit of yeah. a macaroni and cheese connoisseur. Me, my wife and I like to uh, cut up some peppers and chicken and throw them in oh, box sure. mac and cheese and i mean if you don't like mac and cheese i don't i don't know what's wrong with you here at contemporary cage we love mac and cheese so that's why we're gonna be um yeah reviewing a mac and cheese later and there, there's goblin. some fun stuff on here uh yeah there's some fun little stuff there's a, a, a coupon uh to get your own solar calculator which i think is sort of kind of a maybe a reference to Maybe just the era that that movie takes place in, but anyway, that's that's your gift, Derek. Thank you. That's such such a nice, thoughtful Christmas slash Halloween gift you've given me. Yeah, 
Uh, you're very welcome. I hope you uh, enjoy. We'll, we'll eat that. Um, but without any further ado, let's get into um, the the real the real uh, the real uh, reason that we're all here to talk about a Christmas movie. Ding ding dong. That's right, everybody. We watched one of Nick's uh, Christmas films called Trapped in Paradise. Um, I Derek. I wanted to ask you, did, did you know about this movie prior to us deciding we no. would watch it for the show? And I was... Me neither. That was another thing that I was surprised about when I watched it, is that it seems like it's a high-profile, competent, big Christmas movie with Nick Cage. I, yes. do, I do think I know why nobody's heard of it, but mm. having said got, that, I am surprised that it was... I've got some radar. ideas about that, too. But yeah, it does feel like... If um if like distribution rights had been a little different, if this movie had been on like USA every year around Christmas, I think we could be living in a world where this is considered a Christmas classic. Maybe. I think I think so. I don't, um, I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe. You know, because there are some stinkers that get put on every no, year. No, Christmas is like it's, Christmas movies are like. I hate to bring it back to video games again, but. It's like a co-op. It's like a couch co-op. The game can be worse than Mm -hmm. the average video game, but because it's couch co-op, you forgive it and have fun because you love hanging out with friends and playing cooperatively. Same thing with movies. You love Christmas and everything about Christmas. So just because it's a Christmas movie, it kind of ascends a few pegs, even if it's not great. Not to say that this movie is terrible. Yeah, I I very much agree with you. Um, So yeah, this movie stars Nicolas Cage, uh john lovitz and dana carvey um as three brothers um john lovitz and dana carvey are recently released from prison recently paroled because of overcrowding uh in the in the prisons and nick is like sort of the brother that has kind of gotten things together picks up the the pieces on the yeah, he's on the straight and narrow whereas these other two uh lovitz and and carvey are kind of like just repeat just degenerate criminals kind of they're they're repeat offenders uh as soon as they get out they're looking to to score again but kind of in that fun loving almost disney-esque way where it's like ah these are fred and george troublemaker you know somehow it plays like that even though what what it is they do is like serious armed robbery (laughs) oh for sure yeah there's um there's very much like a uh, sort of like a childish veneer to this whole whole movie where none of, even though there are <laughs> like guns and people that, you know, like someone is g- g- gets shot later on in this movie and people are being held at gunpoint, there, it doesn't, it's more cartoonish uh, than, than anything else. Yeah. It doesn't ever feel like the stakes are like mortal. Um, well, it's but yeah, also... this is directed by George uh, Gallo, who's done a bunch of other like action comedies that are kind of in a similar um, tonal space as this one. It's also very, very much in so many ways a movie of its time in that it is a 1994 mid 90s feature film, and like we don't really, you know, we don't we don't talk about those movies on the show. This is contemporary Cage, yeah, and so many like so many things that are good about it are so indicative of like the t- 
tired phrase they don't make movies like they used to in that it is from the mid 90s and also so many things that are really not so good about it are so perfectly encapsulated by the time that it came out uh, now that we have i feel like yes. more perspective on the early mid 90s than ever before as we kind of put more and more distance and decades between us and it which one more thing i will say this was 94 i uh i'm about to uh crest into my 30s so to date myself here i was two years old when this movie came out and it was actually some interesting perspective for me as a little shit who's always like critiquing Nicolas Cage and being a little dick about all, all the reasons why he's a fucking goof was that like this man had already become a respected fucking leading actor doing fucking movies like this when I was two years old shitting in my pants. So I was like kind of giving getting a little bit more of like a uh, 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 appreciation and, and hum humility uh, for like how long the cage has been doing this and j like from the time I started on this earth he had already found and crest the mountain of success from a long haul so uh, I just wanted to kind of prerequisite our dive into this movie with that no I think that's that's really well said and a really great point because we one of the more recent movies that we had reviewed was um, Army of One and we were like wow, he hasn't really done a lot of comedies. And it's like, oh, he he was a seasoned comedic actor. Yeah. Like, you kind of forget that. And he, he I think, is um, in a movie with, like, Lovitz and, and Dana Carvey to, to, like, very funny comedic actors. Uh, They're big actors, know. too. 94, Dana Carvey and Lovitz oh, are for huge sure. names. Definitely. Uh, and uh, Cage is totally doing as interesting and as funny of a performance and also i think uh he he is sort of shouldered with the the straight man role um lovitz and, and carvey carvey especially is doing he he is basically doing just like an snl caricature carvey is comedy. doing uh the uh quintessential over exaggerated 1990s character like yeah. the third rock from the sun or kramer or he's just got all those vibes where he's like He's acting almost like, um, like, uh, okay, so one thing I wanted to say about 90s movies is that I'm realizing they're so much more over-exaggerated in general. Uh, extra work, like the, the work of the extras in the film are always mm -hmm. so over the top. Uh, like lines and characters can be so like, um, they'll be like broadcasting the, the bit yep. so hard. And I had this weird feeling thinking that like, you know, on stage, you got to be huge. You got to be larger than life. You got to have huge expressions. You got to project. You got to move your arms a hundred times more than you would in real life because you have to play to the back of the audience. And then, uh, you know, nowadays we have uh, resolutions and lenses that can get into a microscopic perfection of somebody's subtle twitch on their face. So you can act so much smaller in films. And the like early and mid '90s filmmaking is kind of this weird in between, where they are like DVDs. I don't know if people know this are actually 480p, and this was before DVDs. This is like the era of VHS, and like it, everything was a little fuzzier and way less defined, and like filmmaking hadn't been around that long. So I just feel like it's this weird in between of like over exaggeration almost like theater actors playing on stage uh to like a big screen in a theater it's like this weird mm. middle ground in between that kind of thing and like 
a lot of uh, stuff about Dana Carvey's like performance is very much like that over exaggerated stage totally. work of somebody going off the rails. Yeah, and that's a through line. That this this movie ends up having like a really big cast. It, it is. Um, to get a little more into the plot, the uh, his his brothers Lovitz and Carvey have this plan. They've heard this story in prison about how there's this idyllic town called Paradise in Pennsylvania, um, and in this town there's a a bank that's like ripe for the picking. Like doesn't have cameras, has an old sleepy security guard, um, ha- always has like more money than they should in the vault. Uh, it's just like, you know, a bank robber's dream. So they, they, they end up going to this uh, town. But then, like you were saying, you, you get that same type of that that type of uh, really broad um, performance uh, is consistent through all of the town's folks. And I think it like there's some very funny um, sort of like playing to large crowds of extras and stuff in this movie maybe like one of my my biggest laughs in in the movie is uh and it's such a dumb gag but uh Lovitz and Nick go into the into the bank and they're holding everyone up and uh Lovitz is like trying to he he has, he's told everyone to put their hands up and he he's like okay who has the key to the vault who has the key to the vault <laughs> And he's like, and he's like, raise up your hand, and they're all already raising their hands, and he he like tells them to put their hands down again, and then raise up their hands, and this one, this one woman, this extra, and I think this probably was improv. It was such like a a funny spontaneous moment, like puts her hands up almost too early, and then he like looks at her, and he's like, wait, do you have the key? And she's like, no, <laughs> no. and it, it's like, uh, you know, it's only possible because they they have uh you know the this like huge wide that they're shooting this like longer take in and all of the extras in it um like are an active uh, part of that scene uh yeah i thought and, and i was a little like interested to um to see like how much further the movie like goes from there I, like i i thought i was like oh is this going to be a movie where they are like contained to the bank the entire movie because it's sort of like feels Definitely that not. way but it they yeah they they get out of there quick uh and then they're kind of like on the run in this precarious moment where um because they were masked during the the robbery they are then interacting and like taking taken in by this family that owns the bank uh because and like the whole thing ends up being this parable for you know you shouldn't steal essentially and you should be kind and people are are good and generous and if you trust that people are going to take care of you uh they'll they'll do that you don't need to screw people over they 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 Um, put it on the nose a little bit with that theme but in a way that actually works in in like the context of a comedy in that they end up stealing from this sleepy little town because it's so easy like a big moment in the beginning is just like nick cage is not even his character is not about trying to do a heist but he looks and like it's one 80 year old guard who's asleep and like a security camera that's not even plugged in and he goes oh jesus this is like too easy and then once they steal the money from that point on they get trapped in paradise they kind of get snowed in they can't leave and there's just a series of events of people in the town repeatedly like saving their lives or showing them extreme kindness or doing everything they can to make their lives better, building upon this guilt that eventually overflows with Nick Cage's character where they have to like believe in the Christmas spirit. These people have shown me the way and they, they want to give the money back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, let's. I I think that um, how did how did Cage's performance um, like land for you? Because I think that there were for me there were moments where it was a little um, uh, all over the place. I think like moment to moment. I think there were like some really big swings that didn't necessarily work with him playing as the straight man. I I, I enjoyed seeing it all just because. Like, I, I, I think it's, like, entertaining. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it, like, provided the most, like, even-keeled understanding of a person. Um, but I did read, uh, th- these guys, Lovitz specifically said that this was, like, a nightmare shoot. Really? And that the, the director wouldn't direct him at all. And that Nick ended up directing a lot of, like, the, the scenes with just the three brothers. And sort of, like, leading. And, and Because those guys were... You know, it's there are different types of actors. Like Carvey came from, you know, a comedy background. I, I'm not sure if Lovitz did uh, as well, but he was more of like, I don't know. I feel like he was probably started on like sitcoms and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to to hear that he was sort of like the quarterback for the the a lot of the scenes with just those those three brothers. Um, yeah, how do you how do you feel about his performance? Uh, well. It's funny you should say that because I was saying that I was thinking, first of all, Lovitz was on SNL, uh, like Dana Carvey. Right. Um, okay. So he, they kind of had a similar background in that. I mean, Lovitz is a, a comedy. He's a comedian, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, but like, like I was saying, they're, they're huge names. Nick Cage, John Lovitz, Dana Carvey in the early 90s, like. I got the impression, and I was somewhat misguided, but kind of on track based on what you just said, is that they're such big, big, important boys that it's like, it seemed like they had unlimited freedom to kind of play Mm. their roles and do their thing. And I think that's why this movie is funny. Like, yeah, it's hard. Like, you can say what you will about, like, the quality of the movie overall, but, like, it's definitely working on some of the, because you just have three super talented, super funny actors with no boundaries and like so many like stupid throwaway lines that are clearly improvised cracked me up so hard that like, totally, I cannot imagine they were in the script. There was just like when they're holding up everyone at the bank, Lovitz is just like (laughs) the, the casualness of like the dark Mm -hmm. shit that they're doing is so funny. And he, he says like, Hey, if you if you try to move, you do something stupid. Like I'm gonna shoot you and the person next to you. It's a two for one deal. <laughs> like, like just, yeah, or, totally. Or like they're at the dinner table and <laughs> Dana Carvey is like something about Dana Carvey's character in that movie is that like he's two things. He's a kleptomaniac and he fucking loves food. And like mm-hmm. there's this moment where it's just this throwaway line where they're like having a conversation about something much more important, and, and then his mother's like giving him some cream corn. And Dana Carvey just goes, hey, hey, load me up, man. That's cream corn. <laughs> it's just like yes. so stupid little lines like that. So like it, it's in terms of Nick Cage's performance, it's hard not to think of it in the context of all three of them. I think like mm-hmm. it did feel like I think Nick maybe needs more direction than the others where like when Lovitz or um, uh Carvey kind of has their like weird throwaway things. It yeah. kind of fits because they they're used to working with each other on SNL and they're comedy people. They kn- they they both know the game of their character and aren't doing anything except for that. I feel like they they yeah. like understand the game of their character. Whereas Nick is like, I- I'm a straight man, but I'm also in a comedy, so I'm yes. going to do these like 
these broader moments that don't really make sense for me as a straight man that are still funny it's yeah. just like it's less of a cohesive character and it clearly like his cageness comes out like he does some standby yes. like uh vocalizations and like to be fair to nick i feel like his character in general like the bones of his character is just not good like him and his relationship mm-hmm. with the uh, female lead which we can get into later in that it is another encompassing factor of like how 90s this movie is and how shitty yes. they treat the only woman in the movie um in terms of her like one dimensional one dimensionalism uh but like he 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 is all over the place because his character is all over the place but he at least has some freedom to make choices and like there are just subtle weird things that work for me with it like there's this really tense conversation where dana carvey and john lovitz are kind of more on the same page because they've been in the pen together and they're trying to kind of put one over on nick cage and nick's like trying to suss bullshit and just hearing them out and he's just holding on to a stuffed santa claus for some reason and it's definitely not something that was like blocked out by the director in the script and he's like playing a straight man super well and trying to like be the serious heavy in the room but for some reason he's just holding on to a fucking santa claus and it's just like yeah. it's just a little but i i agree with you dave and that sometimes his his cageisms and there's a moment with dana carvey where nick just does a typical like uh you know very strange angry out of nowhere cadence that's a little unhinged and dana carvey starts imitating him where he's like making fun of him basically he's like i don't Mm -hmm. know nick you know like something like that and it kind of works but it almost feels Mm -hmm. like there's a twinge of truth there where he's just like what are you doing? This is stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it does sort of like work as like a mocking brother thing, but it 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 requires uh, Carvey to kind of break his character to point it out. So it's yeah. like, oh, y- your choice has kind of disrupted the reality of the scene in a way. Yeah, which is like, like we're gonna play I- this way. Like, like it reminds me of like at uh, Michael Scott in improv class where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess he has a gun. Like, we'll just do yeah. that then. <laughs> Um, and, and like, I'm not even saying that as like, oh, this movie would be better if he didn't, if he was like a more cohesive, like, I don't think that's the thing that like impedes this movie from not his character is fraught just in general, like motivation wise, like one of the funniest moments in the movie for no reason is, uh, they have a the big bag of money and the cops are there and they're checking everybody's bags. Oh no, what are we going to do? And, uh, there's like a kerfuffle. Somebody falls over. People are walking. And so Nick gets his gun out and just like stealthily shoots the ground three times to add to the chaos so that he can get away. And it just, he shoots and it cuts to like a close up of him. And he just goes, Oh my God, a gun. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking cage yeah. shit I've I, seen in a minute. No, for sure. I am like really glad. And there are moments where it's like, Oh, because he used to be, a rougher character you kind of believe some of the deci- some yeah. of the wilder decisions that he's uh that he makes to to sort of like self-preserve him and his brothers there's a scene earlier um where 
we're learning about like how severe Dana Carvey's kleptomania is where he's he like stops for this is the first place he is out of prison he goes into like a convenience store and he's just like in the register like slowly and like the whole (laughs) thing is like he is not like sly at all with any of his kleptomania it's just like yeah he's very childlike uh, in like his just inability to not like grab stuff and shove it into his big coat it's almost endearing Um, like well that's the intention for sure totally um and they they end up getting like pursued by police officers and nick like quick quick thinking like pretends that he's a high-ranking police officer and that's again like a very big like uh like the way that he plays that it feels i don't know it it, it feels like um it's it's really fun i like i liked um that he was uh as wild that he got as wild as he did in this movie um I will say, like we've we've alluded a couple times to like some of the um, elements of this movie, the, the very '90s elements of this movie that like sort of prevent it from uh, like moving forward in time or being like something that I would like recommend to other people watch. Uh, there, there definitely is like uh, Madden. I think her name is Madden Amchek, um, who who's also in like uh, Twin Peaks and stuff. She she is the love interest in this movie, and she is is not given anything to do really. She's kind of just like, there. Like, grease the wheels of Cage's arc, and like right. so poorly too. Like even and she has potential to to have something happen. There there's like written clearly like that it is there's a, a storyline that involves her a little more closely into this movie and it's just not paid off meaningfully yeah. where she her dad is the person that uh talked about this um this bank like the reason that the, he knew about this bank was because his daughter worked there is that right yeah it's, yeah. it's like it, it it honestly is one of the worst parts in terms of pacing for the movie is that like we're on board with these funny brothers they're clearly getting one on cage they do this hilarious heist now they're trying to pick up the pieces but then right as that's winding down we just like cut to a prison and it's like some character we've never heard of and it's like they're just planting the seed that like this was a hit that this character was going to do as soon as he got out of prison. But he's like a big mouth about it because he knows how like he wants to brag about basically a place he wants to rob. And then he hears that Nick and his guys robbed it. So he gets angry, busts out of prison and becomes like another faction of antagonists chasing Nick and his brothers down to add more stakes to the situation. Yeah. Um, And then uh, carrying on with like, some stuff that just doesn't age terribly well it it reminds me a little of bill and ted uh where there's like i I love bill and ted i think it's so funny i think it's like a classic comedy but then there's also it's just like oh these guys like say homophobic homophobic every so homophobic uh homophobic slurs like every so often and it's just like this would be a great movie to show to kids if it wasn't for these like moments and then in this movie there's like a number of bits where they like have like uh like characters with down syndrome or the characters that are alluded yeah, to be the slow whole, in certain like, way and they'll drop unquote, like the r word retard thing in this movie is out of control yeah. like they they make a joke about a mentally handicapped dude in a in a truck with the license plate happens to be the first three letters are d-u-h and they just make yep. an offhanded like duh joke about how he's in the car and like i like nick drops retard and like 
like more than once in the movie and it's yeah it's just like you would never see this in a modern movie we just know better now like uh it's like it's just like not okay and but it, it is weird that with no real continuity between them like within like kind of quick succession there's like multiple there's the a police officer who has down syndrome i guess and he's like the the sheriff it's a really small town so yeah it's just like he helps us out at the police department everybody knows each other he's my son you know right and then like cage pretends that uh Dana Carvey is, has Down syndrome at one point. It's just, it, it's like this weird sort of through line that it does not do. It, it, it's it's literally not played for anything other than it is funny for us to say these yeah. words and, and say that this person there's, is slow. There's so much going on with the movie in general that it doesn't have any time to like say anything or like develop that character. It's just like, they're kind of just there to make a few like not even like super featured jokes, just like a few no. things that are like offhand. Yeah. And like poor taste. I think that's why it's like frustrating for me and, and maybe not because like, you know, who, who knows like about like pre- preserving films in their like initial version or whatever. But I think like Bill and Ted is something that I've thought about. Cause it's like, Oh, I, I love that movie. And they like use like uh the f word homophobic homophobic slur uh and just like it's like there's it doesn't factor into anything like if it just wasn't in there this movie wouldn't have that and it's like you you think about like oh i wonder if there's like a a tv edit of this movie that like could just remove that stuff and well i think one thing it could serve the movie a little bit is just the fact like we said like it it gives development to the town it's right when we're first introduced to the town is when they have a run-in with the the cop's son and like it kind of like knowing that like the sheriff has a son who helps out and like dresses up as a deputy and like uh the town accepts him and everybody knows him. So if there's an issue, they know how to handle it. Like that develops the town as like a small town, you know, it does actually end up factoring in too, because he is the one like late in the the movies with the climactic ending. He vouches like (laughs) a funny thing about this movie that is kind of on topic for the year of 2020 is it's very like pro it's like, we don't talk to cops and also we're pro like restorative community justice. Yeah. <laughs> like we deal with our problems internally and we don't like talk to talk to police officers, which was kind of funny to see. Um, but yeah, that, that uh, the sheriff's son is the person who like very sweetly like speaks up and it's like, Oh, this kind of fucking, <laughs> this is bad. So um, like yeah. there, and obviously we could go even more into like the female lead and why she falls so flat. But this is, this is really why, like I was saying, why I think this movie never caught on. Cause it is, it has all the, ma- it's funny. It's got huge names and it's a Christmas thing. Right. So why, mm-hmm. why isn't it like a classic that we watch all the time? And like to make a Christmas movie, one of the things you have to have, is just the warm and fuzzy heart of the Christmas movie, right? There has to be some sort of baloney where like, like the elf moment where he says, screw you, I'm going to have holidays with my son. You know, like even if it's been done before and it's obvious, you just have to have it in order for it to be a Christmas movie. Cause like Mm -hmm. the message of Christmas is like beautiful in its simplicity, you know, it's like loved ones and giving, you know? So that heart is primarily navigated through Nick's character's, motivations and like his personal arc 
And like one of mm-hmm. the crutches of it is like they're outside of a church and he's talking with his love interest in a graveyard and they're trying to have this heart to heart moment where it's super unclear just how bad Nick's background was. He's always on the edge of like, is he actually the straight man? Did he like roll with them? And he was just the smart one who didn't get caught. Like how far right. did he go? Um, and it's kind of like really a microcosm of the movie is the very first scene where Nick's character finds a wallet on the ground doesn't know what to do with it because he wants the money because he needs the money. Mm-hmm. He takes a long time, but then he eventually gives it to the police uh, and he feels bad because it took him so long. That is essentially his arc throughout the whole movie with robbing the bank. And one of the pivotal moments of like, if he's going to change and do the right thing is he has this tender moment with this woman in the graveyard and their dialogue is so fucking stupid. Like he says, do you think somebody can change? Like no matter how far down the road they've gone or like what, like uh, can they back up and go another direction? And she looks at Mm -hmm. him and she says, you know what? That depends. And Nick just looks up and goes, Oh, on the road. And then she goes, no, on the person. And then he like looks down and overacts and it's just like on the person. And he looks up like he just had this amazing, like nothing was said in that interaction at all that was the most vapid stupid shit i've ever heard and that is like the like that is the heart of the film and then he you know gives it back and the town comes together to defend them and that works a little bit better but like just his motivations in general are just kind of not earned like he decides to rob the bank with them instead of being a good boy keeping them out of trouble which was his main goal because they bring in a bunch of money and then his eyes turn into money signs and he's like, yeah. oh, that's money. I want that. It's just like, it it felt out of nowhere. Like the money alone isn't motivation enough to bring a character to do something like armed robbery, right. you know? And, and the, the thing is that he is the, uh, uh, he's the lead character, but like there are problems with like the depth of his arc and then his brothers have no arc really outside of they are sort of reacting to him as someone putting pressure on them and like Carvey caves a little earlier and then Lovitz caves like eventually and they come around to seeing it the way that he does but they really they they are really pretty thin characters which I think is like you know, we talked about them being someone who, who being people who came from sketch and then into a movie where apparently they weren't really directed by the director yeah. much. Like I totally so they get turn to characters, why. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. They, they feel pretty thin. Uh, there's just not a lot there. Um, which is, which is a bummer. Cause it's like, Oh, I, I like seeing, like, I like Carvey, I guess was doing like a, a young Mickey Rourke. He does like a, Hey, well, how's it going? Like, a, like a really like kind of like a small, sweet uh, character. And edges. I do wish that there was like something that endeared us to them well, outside of the fact that they were beloved comedic actors. And like, it is again a product of like the '90s. I think that was a more uh, accepted thing for people who aren't the main. Like, to be a main character, you got to have a love interest and an arc, and you kiss the girl at the end, which is what Nick did, mm-hmm. and it felt really forced. Yep. And then other people in '90s movies can just lean on their personality. They don't have to have yeah. like, tr- especially in a movie like this. Like, they don't have to have like true backstories, believable motivation, great arcs. Like, as long as their performance is funny and entertaining. It's totally more than enough to like, yeah. Just be That's the comic relief, basically. I think that was that that was like a later era thing where it's like, oh, we want to give each of these characters their dues. When like a modern com- comedic movie, it's like, 
almost overdone where it's like the last movie we see like the the last scene of the movie we see like this person is like now dating this person and it's like all these little bit like um like all, every conceivable loose end is like tied up neatly uh, and that's just not or just yeah the like era of no. filmmaking that we were in. It's yeah. the same thing with villains. Like villains in the '90s can just be bad motherfuckers. Where it's like now, mm-hmm. if a villain is just evil, that's boring as hell, and they have to have an empathetic, tragic backstory or something like that, or some sort of edge that makes them interesting. Um, it's but true. I will say some things when I alluded to in the beginning, like they don't make movies like they used to. I, I do miss some of the visual language of. of 90s movies oh man like me too like um i loved how visual the intro was with the wallet and i loved some of the wides in the established shots like Mm -hmm. they do a great job of basically um uh non uh what's what i'm thinking of like uh, like a wes anderson movie has these super symmetrical wide shots that tell a story almost like a renaissance painting uh and those are very cool but they're kind of pretentious 90s films i think maybe because they wanted to get every like feasible use out of the film stock as possible they have very similar coverage where there is a non-pretentious wide shot that has an all-at-onceness of the story being told like different parts of the frame are occupied by different characters and the way that they're blocked and how far away they are from each other and the things in between them all tell a story of what's going on in the scene. And then we cut into close-ups from there. And there's just a lot of great, funny, interesting wides that just have so much visual information going on. And you don't see that as much anymore. There's like less care in a single shot because they wanted it to ride for longer in the scene, whereas now you can just cut to so many different angles with all of your digital cameras just, like, cranking it out without losing as much money. Totally. I, I think, like, um, yeah, and I are, are you feeling ready to sort of wrap up and give yeah. final thoughts? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, going into my final thoughts, like, uh, the stuff that works in this movie are, like, the gags. Like, there's there really are, like, funny choices and things that they um that they captured in this movie i think like the set piece of the bank robbery itself there's like this very we we didn't even say it so if you watch this uh, movie i think like there's a way that that escalates that is like very funny that like plays with the wides and like how how big that uh set piece ends up getting that i think is like super unique and like really there, there's like a sweetness to it like i think that every so often I, like i'm trying to think of like what a good example is but there are like some movies that are like christmas movies that are like um a little like grim and dark and like like a little nasty in a way that yeah, is like bad saying they're, they're trying to be like uh yeah i'm thinking of bad saying, <laughs> uh that are like they're trying to be subversive and i don't think this movie is like trying to be subversive at all like it, it is just trying to be like oh we want to tell like a, a sort of like a crime story parable but there there aren't you know there's nothing like sinister or, or like like dangerous about the movie like it all feels very safe like even when they're like, like what you were saying with Lovitz, like you could tell that he was just able to improvise with like the cast of uh, extras who he was holding up in the in the bank robbery scene, and he's like leading them through breathing exercises and yeah. like, yoga stuff. I still and see somebody like, shaking. Uh, let's continue our breathing, guys, all the way in. Yeah, very Lovitz and, and fashion. I, like all of that, like 
um, creates this tone um, alongside with the, the joke of it being like, this is like a, a Pleasantville type, like this is ideal American suburbia where right. everyone is nice and it's like a perfect idyllic little community. Uh, that all like creates kind of a, like an energy and a vibe that I think does make this kind of like a good Christmas movie that you can turn on and it's like, oh, it's, you know, it doesn't come together as like a great story, but it is a funny comedy. Um, so Derek, I think that we should, because we're not using our traditional review metrics for this thing. Because uh, it's not what do you think? Should we? Should we put this uh, on the naughty or the nice list? Oh, well, some parts are very naughty, um, but other parts are nice. <laughs> that's true. It's, you know, that's the, know, that's the struggle. Old you have to Saint, look at the whole Saint child, Nick has. The whole exactly. Movie. I will say, too, like in terms of the, the soft edges and stuff, Rand, like you were talking, it's so interesting to me. Another quintessential 90s thing is that like guns as props is basically the most concise way I can say it. Like the mm -hmm. use of firearms in early 90s movies are so kids running around cops and robbers bang bang and it's yep. so like innocent like there's a moment where the three of the guys come out of the store and a woman goes hey police they tried to steal and the police just turn around and immediately both pull guns on them yeah. and are like ready to fire and there's so much like guns in public places just being whipped out almost like a like just as a prop as a fun joke and like that shit just psychologically does not play like that anymore like a crowded room and somebody pulls oh, out totally. an automatic gun like it's just not as fun <laughs> like it's, given yeah, where we it's are still movies being made by like people who were allowed to have toy guns running around a public park and stuff like it was that era yeah. of people like making movies um yeah, it's it's that's such a good point. And it's like, oh, I don't know if that's like it's not necessarily it's not like you can't like really make any sort of like a moral judgment about it. No, no, no. Bad. It's like just... American gun culture might, you know, you can criticize that, but it's like this movie is just like, oh, it it, it doesn't exist. Like you can't do this type it was of a different thing time. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like they didn't necessarily do anything wrong by doing that. It's just like there was no, you know, uh Yeah, and it it enables it just enables different stuff too. There's a gag where Dana Carvey like asks someone to like, while he's holding people up during the heist, he asks like an old man to hold his shotgun because he has to like steal something or something like that. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, that's like a cartoon language using yeah. guns. So and it just doesn't exist anymore. I would say like uh, the movie as a whole, because the core of it has a lot to do with, Nick Cage's character as the through line and his transformation and the ending is so fucking stupid. Oh my God. Uh, mm -hmm. With like the riding off into the sunset, like he gets the girl. Um, that stuff is bad and, and naughty. Okay. But it's very naughty. Very naughty. I naughty, see naughty. you cage, man. You're being <laughs> very naughty here. But because just like when you have a holiday gathering and, you know, you're having a little too much eggnog. Your uncle's telling j jokes that might be a little too dirty. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to be a little bit more patient with people, have a little bit more just forgiveness in all that they do because you love them. And you know what? They make you smile uh, despite how naughty they can be. And that is exactly what this movie is. It is. It makes you a damn smile. It's funny. They're mm -hmm. a funny thing. I recommend people watch it with everything that we've said about it. So, but like... It's a fun, especially if you are a fan of Nick Cage and you like watch our listen to our podcast and love this shit. Like you get a bunch of fun little 
nuggets and candies of Nick being stupid and Dana Carvey and like that's just it's funny it is naughty but because it's the year the spirit of giving and it makes us smile you know we're gonna let him be on the nice list this year I think okay yeah that's how I and I'm just gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that too I think we should we we should as like we're both Santa's elves here, and we're deciding. We're looking right. over the movie. I think I, I'm I'm on 100 percent with you. Uh, this this was um, a naughty boy mm-hmm. that you know from time to time wasn't his best self, but in mm-hmm. the end, much like Nick, realized the right thing to do, and uh, was a it was a good movie. Yes. So he gets to go on the nice list. If it wasn't funny, it would be 100 percent naughty. But goddamn it. It is kind of. It funny. made me laugh. Yeah, laugh a good amount. I was surprised yeah. at like how much I was. I was kind of busting up, um, and like consistently fun, and just like good um, performances across the board. There's there's performances that we didn't even really get into. Uh, Richard Jenkins oh my is a funny God. character actor. He's he, too he much has some in this. Great moments. <laughs> He's too yeah. much in this movie. <laughs> he there is a chase sequence where they're like. First of all, it's ridiculous. All the three boys, Nick and everybody, are, are on a horse-drawn carriage, and a squad yes. of police cars are revving their engines, chasing them all the way out of town, even though those cars can go 120 miles an hour, and they can't catch up to this yeah. horse. And it keeps cutting in to Jenkins, and he's just insane overacting just like a close-up of him with no context just going like yeah yeah get him get him faster get up on him go 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 and then it will just cut to the actual chase scene oh my god and also last thing the stakes have never been higher in any film ever than when the horse almost drowns after their escape route i almost signed yeah. up for PETA after like i was so maybe it's because like video i thought games that have was going to be me. the end like i thought that was going to be the climactic moment yeah. I'm like they can't top this this no. is too stressful <laughs> i can't explain to you how or why or how the director did it but oh my god if they didn't save that horse i was gonna freak out dude that was yeah. so emotional <laughs> and i think that shows I, I don't want to get back into like a, a criticism, but I think like it shows the poor utilization of Carvey's character because the part of the reason we care so much about that horse is uh, Carvey like develops an emotional names attachment him Merlin. to him. Yeah, he names him Merlin, and then like he's like really stressed out and wants to you know free him, and then yeah. yeah. But uh, also the end of that chase sequence where they're chasing the the horse drawn sleigh. Uh, Richard Jenkins' car smashes into a tree <laughs> so fucking hard, and then like the next scene, he's like, "Okay," but it's like everyone is dead in that it, car. And, and like, when they the, cut to it, it's like so it's bad. clearly on the close up, it's like five people in a car, and then when it cuts yeah. to the wide to show it smash into a tree, you can see clearly into the car, and it's one stunt guy with a helmet, and nobody's in the car. <laughs> yeah, it's a brutal crash. Yeah, um, just like how just. Because it's you can tell there's like some speed on the car and it just stops on the street. Um, but, Very but anyway, stupid. yeah. I, I I think also uh, one last little um, note. You know, sometimes Christmas movies, it's like, oh, is this actually a Christmas movie? Is this just set yeah. during Christmas? Infamous D- Die Hard. This is a movie. This is a Christmas movie at at eleven. But every single like scene has Christmas theming in it. It is it is a part of it. So I will say that it's. Um, you know, if you're if you just want something that is like Christmas landscapes and stuff, like a good Christmas uh, Christmas themed comedy movie, I, I think you know you're not going to be 
too disappointed with this one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, and then Derek. Yep. To round out our our holiday, holiday special, our Christmas special. Eggnog um, and warm socks on the fire. Deck your halls with pretty blue and green and red lights. Go ahead. I'm Eggnog on the fire. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. Um. I want to know. I don't know yeah. if this is even a, a segment that we could do. Uh, I want to know we what's go on your, uh, Chris, your Chris- Nickmas wish list. My Nickmas wish list? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, what are you hoping uh-huh. for Nick in the year of 2021? <laughs> My Christmas hope for Nick? <laughs> Miss List, <laughs> this, is, this is. I feel like last year, the one of the first episodes we did, we was we um, did a New a Year's, New Year's one, I yeah. and I asked, "Do you have any New Year's resolutions said, pertaining to Nick?" And no, you were like, dude. that's insane. Yeah. Um, I will say one of the. I want to kind of revisit this though because one of the uh, New Year's resolutions I had that pertained to Nick was I wanted to see every one of his movies in theaters. Oh, my <laughs> God. And clearly, uh, that did uh, was not on the table for me. Um, I wasn't no. able to see Jiu-Jitsu or The Croods in theaters. And I'm and that's devastated. The so I'm, I'm hoping... 2020. Um, you know, I'm just going to re-up on that one. That's my uh, Christmas... My Nickmas Chris wish list. <laughs> It is I, uh is I want to see the every movie that he releases in 2021 uh if it is safe to do so I would like to see it in theaters well right a drive in yeah I just I just hope he stays safe and healthy safe healthy and warm. I know that's you what know, I wish for everybody working on these sets and you know you have to be um unmasked for a lot of it hopefully he's getting uh that Pfizer that Moderna yeah, um, first vaccine soon yeah uh, you know, pushing sure he played um, a doctor once <laughs> the frontline healthcare workers out of the way to get Nick the vaccine. <laughs> um, that, that you know what? That's my wish. I hope that Nick um, gets vaccinated. Very, yeah, gets vaccinated. <laughs> I, hey, think, I think he would do it. Well, of course. I mean, well, you don't know people in this day and age, Derek. There's well, people with all sorts of crazy thoughts. Yeah. I think. But the cage, as eccentric as Nick is, I think he is he is a man of science still. I believe so too, and I believe like uh, it's good PR for him to like Im- fully embrace uh, a vaccine because he's gonna be working with as many people as he possibly can, like he likes to do. True, um, and that will be the path of least resistance, I think. Uh, but you know, I I just hope for him the same as everybody this year we we don't need we listen we're a small operation here we're not we're not broadcasting from the tower here if you're listening to this you're a very elite <laughs> <The> tower <laughs> elite crew of uh strange individuals um you know and if i'm reaching mm-hmm. anybody's ears just just want to say that i think you know I think it's been hard for all of us. I feel like my social anxiety has uh, compounded itself in the last year with how much of a hermit I've become. I miss yeah. my family. I miss, you know, my my 
interactions and time that I spend with my close friends are just synonymous with uh, online uh, platforms. And uh, while it's a great solution in the interim, I just want everybody to know that uh, it's been shitty, but man, I, 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 I feel okay for the future and I hope everyone else does. And I miss you all. And uh, I want everybody to be safe and feel better and I, I love you guys wow you. nice sentiment yeah. uh, that's a good that's a great holiday message to go out on I think Barry. so brave uh, it, it really brave of you to say <laughs> that stuff uh, I on the other hand yeah uh, go no, ahead I, hit him with it I uh, <laughs> counterpoint um, no I, I couldn't agree more uh, tough year that's part of the reason why we you know, stopped uh, doing the show for a little bit, but you know, I think uh, everyone is is both adapting and doing their best to our current situation, and then also there is that light at the end of the tunnel where where things will hopefully get back to some sort of normalcy uh, pretty soon. Yep. Um, I mean, I look for like different podcasts, or shows, or personnel, like more than ever scripted stuff isn't my number one focus in general like i've, mm, I've been like really consuming you. a lot of personality and just like people being like who they are a bit more uh because i you know long for that kind of human connection with how hard it is these days and i uh if this show makes anybody feel like you're part of the crew know that you are part of the cage nation if you if yes. you're listening to us like we are on the same page. We love the same cage. Every single thing I do on this show is aimed at having fun with you, with being your friend, with hanging out with you, loving life with you, and reminding you that you're not alone and that we love Nicholas Cage. I couldn't agree more. And then that's our message and our hope for uh, all of Cage Nation this holiday season just the merriest um, fucking christmas you've ever had and yeah. obviously all the other holidays if you're into that obviously <laughs> don't even have, i shouldn't even have to say it <laughs> don't get uh, me started on this war on christmas no of course uh yeah we hope that y'all are having um as good of a holiday season as as permits um with you know everything that's going on and uh Derek, I'm, I'm, I had a great time chatting with the Cage Man. Um, I think uh, we'll probably, I don't know, we should probably talk soon and get that uh, get a, a season three. This is a nice little intermittent treat. Right. But um, I imagine that come the new year, we'll we'll get some uh, season three episodes have a lot up cooking, and kicking. You know, uh, just as everything slows down um, with productions and film and stuff, you know, it, we're, we're taking a taking a second taking a beat but we're not going anywhere and nor neither is cage and we have a lot of huge things on the pipeline including uh an interview that we hope to do with uh a uh, direct contact that i have uh made contact with that has uh, agreed to go on the show it is a young woman Uh, i'll leave it at that only uh, one more detail about her. She uh, dated Nick Cage when they were teenagers, and he brought her to his wow. first movie premiere. And she said he was quite the character, and we were going to chat her up about, about I that. Cannot. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. Um, I think that'll do it. 
that is it and and i hope everyone has a merry christmas and a happy new year yes and they all did all across cage nation every good cage boy and cage girl lay their head down on their pillow and went to sleep dreaming thoughts of the cage man and as they slept he landed atop their roof and crept the cage man (laughs) coming down the chimney once more to bring everyone a DVD of Crudes 2 and Jiu-Jitsu. Enjoy! Check your stockings. Alright, that'll do it. That was terrible.